is Breaking Bread with Brilliant Babes. I'm your guest host, Caitlin Reardon. I'm the behind the scenes gal here at this podcast, and I'm taking over. <laughs> we decided to shake things up and help the people get to know the woman behind the mic. We're recording today from Tatiana's tiny apartment here in San Francisco, and I'm joined by the one and only Tatiana Jimenez. Tatiana, thank you so much for being a guest on your own show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> For any first-time listeners out there, our purpose is to shed some light on everyday people doing brilliant things. Tatiana typically invites them into her home, cooks a meal, and then they eat together and chat about their careers and how they got where they are today. Today we are enjoying vegetarian butternut squash chili. Our guest is an AVP of marketing at a credit union in the original Brilliant Babe and host of this here podcast. Tatiana, are you ready to hand over the reins? I think so. This is really Do you think weird. you can handle someone else asking the questions? Because the people want to know. Who the heck is Tatiana? I mean, I don't think I know either. So. All right, let's dive in. Ready? Yes. Take a sip of wine. Okay. So first off, can you start by telling us a little bit about what you're doing currently and your career history up until this point? This is a lot it's harder. A long than career me. history. <laughs> I mean, I'm like 22, so it's going to be short. Well, basically, so right now, like Caitlin said, I'm the AVP of brand loyalty for a credit union. So what that means is I'm essentially the assistant vice president of marketing and design for a credit union here in San Francisco. And so basically, I lead the visual and communications efforts for the credit union. So my team consists of a designer, copywriter, marketing operations person, social media, community outreach, etc. A little bit of everything. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot going on. But basically, my career has kind of been pretty, I guess, non-linear, at least in the beginning. And so I got my degree in psychology, or it was like more of like the cognitive science focus Mm -hmm. at UC Irvine. And... It's kind of a long story. <laughs> Good thing you but, have a podcast to explain it. <laughs> but basically, so I've always been a really creative person. Mm-hmm. And when I was thinking about what I wanted to major in in college, I wanted to major in art history. And I remember when I told my parents that, they were like, well, you know, what kind of job will you get after you graduate? And I was like, you know, I'll be a curator at a museum or something mm-hmm. or a gallery. And mm-hmm. my mom was like, yeah, you're not going to find a job doing that. <laughs> so they were like, you know, how about something more practical? And I was like, okay, well, I'm really fascinated by the human mind. Mm-hmm. And I was always really inspired by movies like Psycho Or like Silence of the Lambs, like what Clarice Starling was doing. Mm -hmm. So I thought psychology would be cool. And it's also, it's kind of relevant in many different types of jobs. Mm -hmm. So I did that, but I never lost my creative side. I was always like painting or sewing. I eventually learned how to knit and crochet and stuff. Anyway, so I graduated and I was working as a research assistant at an Alzheimer's disease research center at UC Irvine. So I did that for a couple years. Was that before or after you graduated? That was before and after. So was that part of your degree to No, so I was a like work intern. Okay. Yeah, I was a work study student. So what that meant was I was awarded a work study grant, meaning there was like an allocated bucket of money. 
mm-hmm. for me to access via working. So mm-hmm. like, so the university, so I just needed to get a job at UCI and then I would get paid mm-hmm. to, to do a, a job. Mm-hmm. So basically I was a work study student at the um, Alzheimer's clinic, which was really cool because I did a lot of different things. So I did a lot of, well, filing, which is not very cool, but (laughs) no, I learned how to be very meticulous and organized. So I would file, I would work for the financial officer once a week. So I learned how to reconcile like budgets and ledgers and like financial Mm, ledgers and things like that. So yeah, so I did that uh, all four years in uh, college, and then I worked two years as a research assistant afterwards. I was a research assistant in Alzheimer's disease clinical trials. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty cool. I mean, I just did a lot of like writing, organizing for the nurse I worked for. She's a nurse, but she has her doctorate in nursing, so Mm -hmm. she's a doctor of nursing, which is kind of confusing, Mm -hmm. but she was really great. So that was my like first full-time boss. But anyway, so in that time, like my job was, it was interesting, but it wasn't like super stimulating. So Mm -hmm. when I would get home from work, I was kind of bored. And at the time, my roommate, Kendra Bean, who was also on this podcast, she was teaching herself how to build a website for her Vivian Lee obsession. Oh, it comes full circle. Yeah. So (laughs) I remember we would hang out and we're just watching TV and she would be working on a website. And I'm like, that seems really fun. I want to do that too. So she let me borrow her book. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, just ask her questions. And so I kind of learned from her and I got really inspired. And so I started, um, and it also kind of came at the same time that at the clinic, they were asking me to take over the newsletter. So I had to design the newsletter. Um, There's the link. I was like, yeah. how does this tie to marketing? <laughs> yeah. So basically I had to, I both self-taught, you know, like the Adobe suite, but I also uh, went to community college at night in Huntington Beach where I lived. And so I did that for a couple of years and I just kind of slowly built up my portfolio doing free work for people. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I got paid to do work for people. Um, So I built up my portfolio and then I, yeah, and then I decided to go into, I I realized working on the newsletter and doing lots of like graphics work and freelance work that those are the things I wanted to do full time. Mm-hmm. So I started preparing myself to dive into like a new career, mm-hmm. I guess. As soon as you started doing that, because you were so creative and liked mm-hmm. doing the things you'd mentioned before, did you find yeah. that connection pretty easily that oh, this, this is how I get a job and get paid and do things I love. I think so, because in the back of my mind, like in the last two years of college, I did internships and both of my internships were marketing related. Mm. So my first internship was with Planned Parenthood of Orange and San Bernardino County. So mm-hmm. I worked in their marketing department. And then my second one was uh, with Cisco Food Services. So I helped them plan their annual food show. Mm. So like at Planned Parenthood, I got to see the nonprofit side and it was more graphics focused Mm -hmm. um, and market research focused. Like I I did market research in Planned Parenthood waiting rooms and I like asked a series of questions, which was really hard, Mm -hmm. but it was really interesting. And then at Cisco, I helped plan the food show. So that was more events marketing Mm -hmm. and I did not like that. I mean, it was a great experience, but I knew what 
I was and was not good at, mm -hmm. or at least what I didn't like to do. Sure. So sometimes it's easier to narrow it down that way than figure yeah. out what's like the perfect fit. Yeah. So I think that that was always like in the back of my mind that I would still find a way to apply my psychology degree, I guess, in a creative way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then I just kind of jumped into... I didn't just jump into it, but I, um, I found a way to, I, I guess I just started applying for graphic design jobs. I got one, which I'll talk more about later and yeah, built my career from there. So I, I worked for an internet company, like a real estate internet company, and then worked for a nonprofit, uh, student travel company again, as a graphic designer, uh, always kind of like graphic slash web designer. Mm -hmm. I was also like a web developer. And then I eventually moved to San Francisco and got a job as a designer at the credit union like 10 years ago. And yeah, I've just been doing that kind of stuff ever since. And like, it's been, you know, a combination of graphic design and marketing because mm -hmm. like with nonprofits, you're never just doing one job. Mm -hmm. So I've been really lucky that I've learned like many different facets of the marketing world. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm sure yeah. that's good for your job now too. Yes. You, since it sounds like you guys do so many different things. Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. So when, when was the moment you felt you broke into the industry or your role? So to me, Breaking into a role, I think I would define that as the moment when you feel like people see you as an expert, even mm -hmm. if you don't think you're the expert mm -hmm. at something. And so I would say for me, that moment was my previous job. I worked as a, I was a senior designer at a company called Mark Monitor. Mm -hmm. And Mark Monitor is a high tech company in downtown San Francisco, and they do online brand protection. So a lot of I guess I'm not going to describe it the right way, I'm sure, but just they use <laughs> machine learning to find counterfeit goods online or find people who are basically trying to pretend like they're a brand. And mm -hmm. yeah, so anyway, so I was a senior designer for that company and I also, I basically functioned as their art director and eventually moved into like more um, content marketing stuff. Mm -hmm. But basically when I started that job, there was a moment where I remember I took an infographic I had designed to the, the CMO who I was reporting directly to. And I was like, hey, like, how does this look? Um, and he looked at me and he was like, does this look good to you? Mm -hmm. And I wasn't used to that much autonomy mm -hmm. because previously, you know, I would always have to get sign off from my boss and I would get lots of direction from them and stuff. But like, this was the first time that I felt the pressure of, like, he the saw... The responsibility of it. Yeah, yeah, the responsibility of, you know, this is just my domain, and he expects me to just be completely autonomous and mm -hmm. get shit done and do high-quality work and not have to go to him with questions. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of forced me to always do my best work, mm -hmm. and it made me feel like I was being kind of recognized as an expert, mm -hmm. even though I'm, I'm not an expert, mm -hmm. and I think that we all have lots of room to grow, all, and it's like the more you learn about things, the more you realize you don't know about things, mm -hmm. but anyway, that made me feel like I really broke in, and I was being recognized as this like person who was responsible for the visual brand mm -hmm. of this really 
kind of important company that's like helping brands like the NFL, Louis Vuitton, like mm-hmm. protect their brand integrity online. So mm-hmm. we have all of this visibility from these like really important companies and they're going to see my shit. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was kind of crazy. No, that makes sense that to, to have those kind of companies depending on you and realizing that you're an expert, that's, mm-hmm. that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> Yeah. But obviously you did a good job. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't think about that every day or else mm-hmm. I would get really nervous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, it was a good opportunity. So you've worked at a lot of different companies and different industries, nonprofit Mm-hmm. for profit mm-hmm. did, along the way did you have a mentor and do you feel that you are a mentors to others right so I really like so I, I asked this question to everyone and I think everyone on the show has had really like interesting answers and I agree with all of them because I feel like sometimes sometimes you kind of don't have a mentor I think it was maybe Melissa or you I can't remember who it was on the show <laughs> but someone someone had mentioned that, you know, they felt like their friends were their their mentors. Mm-hmm. And I definitely feel that way. And I absolutely believe in shine theory. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're in a group of friends and you're all very supportive of each other, when someone does well, it feels like everyone does well. And so I would say I'm really lucky in that I've surrounded myself with really good people mm-hmm. um, who are very supportive, but also call me on my bullshit when, mm-hmm. when it's needed. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think I have had some really great mentors. One of them who is probably not listening to this podcast because <laughs> I know it makes him nervous, but is probably my current boss. He's just been a really great advocate for me mm-hmm. and... He also calls me on my bullshit, <laughs> which is helpful. And, you know, like, there was a time when I I left the um, the credit union. I was there for six years, and then I left to go do the job downtown with a tech company, and he was really supportive, mm-hmm. and we stayed in contact, and, you know, he was, he was like, really happy for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the sign of a, a good boss who, like, kind of cares about you as a person Mm -hmm. maybe is not in your business all the time but you know like cares about your growth and understands that you're not going to be at a job forever Mm -hmm. so I would say he's definitely been a mentor my dad is a great mentor Mm -hmm. like both of my parents actually are wonderful mentors a lot of my aunts and uncles Mm -hmm. and my cousins like I just I feel like I'm surrounded by a lot of people who give great advice and yeah I think that's important to realize that it doesn't have to be like a professional. Yeah, like yeah. another designer or mm-hmm. someone else in marketing. It can mm-hmm. be completely outside of that. Yeah. Um, I actually, yeah, I've never had, I'm trying to think before I say that, but <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a design mentor. Mm-hmm. Like if anything, maybe um, uh, Kendra Kendra Bean, like mm-hmm. in the early stages, we would like throw ideas off of each other and like, you know, kind of comment on each other's work. But mm-hmm. yeah. In my design career, I've never really had other designer friends. Like, mm-hmm. I've been hungry for that, but I've never really met anybody else. So, yeah. Well, no time like now. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as... Um, Attention. Tatiana's yeah. looking for designer friends. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Yeah, as far as being a mentor for others, I'm the oldest of three. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the oldest of three. I'm the oldest of four. <laughs> Sorry, Chelsea. I was going to say which one was left out. You didn't have to say. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So, so as the oldest um, of four, <laughs> I feel like throughout my whole life, I've kind of... I don't want to say I'm their mentor because that's kind of like, I don't know. I feel like I'm being like a narcissist. I don't know. Like being interviewed on your own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But I don't know. I just, I think other oldest siblings will relate in that being an oldest sibling, you kind of feel the pressure of having to be a role model. Mm -hmm. And so I like to think I'm like kind of a mentor to my sisters Mm -hmm. but I don't know and then yeah I think I've worked with a lot of maybe junior designers or like people earlier in their careers Mm -hmm. and I really I I try to be generous with advice and I know I probably mostly give unsolicited advice (laughs) but but I just even with my sisters like I just try to share things with them like challenges that I had to go through Mm -hmm. so that way they don't have to go through them too sure or like they could navigate them more easily I definitely feel like that's an older sibling's role, right? To sort of say, I've experienced this and this is what can happen. Don't do this. Yeah. Like speaking of, Christina, I hope you've opened the high yield savings account I've been telling you about. That's all. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) So next question is, uh, what do you feel was your biggest career obstacle so far? Shittiest moment. Mm, Okay, so this one, I think this was probably my very first design job. So after I left the Alzheimer's clinic, I worked for a company, I won't say the name of it, but (laughs) I'm sure you can find it on my LinkedIn, but it was a a real estate internet company, kind of similar to like Redfin or Zillow in the Orange County area. And so I was a graphic designer there, and that was basically the job I got that was like my big career switch job. So I was a graphic designer, and that was in 2008, right when the recession hit. So I had been there for two months. I think I started in like July, and then come September, I remember they called me into the CEO's office. I hadn't even met the CEO before. Mm Mm-hmm. And my boss, who was a lovely lady, I really respect her. I think she's great. But she she came over to me and she looked like she was crying or she had been crying. And I was like, here we go. (laughs) So so I walked with her into the CEO's office and I knew what was going to happen. Like, I didn't know. I was the first to go. Mm -hmm. And I think it was because I was the newest. Mm -hmm. But there were no other designers at that company. and. Unfortunately, you could tell if you look at their website today, which is why I'm not going to tell you who they are. Um, but, but anyway, so so yeah, I got called in. I got let go. But the the CEO was really nice. He was just like, you know, this is the, the like this, the this thing is happening. We're in the the you know the the real estate business. This is not looking good for us. We're so sorry. And they let me go. And the thing I'll never forget is my boss had a box of stress relief tea. And she gave that to me. (laughs) And I was like both grateful and offended. 
but she had enough time to think about going to the store to give me that tea. But it was really nice, and I really like that tea. It's the Yoki tea. So that was a pretty shitty moment because at that time, I had just worked there for like two-ish months, and I had just signed a lease for my new apartment in Huntington Beach, so I couldn't just like leave and go home Mm -hmm. and live with my parents, so that was kind of scary. Yeah, that is really scary. It's always hard when you make big plans like that Mm -hmm. and the unexpected happens. Mm -hmm. Next question, what was your biggest opportunity slash best moment? I actually think I have two answers to this question. So the first, even though we just talked about how I got let go from this job, that job for the the, the real estate internet company. Mm-hmm. So I had gone from having no professional graphic design experience to having a job as mm. a graphic designer. So I think that was like the first big moment for me because that that was when my career changed Mm. from from research to graphic design Mm -hmm. and marketing so I think that was really interesting because I remember that my boss she said to me that one of the things that stood out in my cover letter was that I mentioned that I knit stop Which to this day, I was like, that's so, like, at first I was like, that's really weird. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I was like, no, like, that makes sense to me. Because now when I look at resumes, I kind of look for, you know, you want your, your, your resume and your cover letter to be very professional, but you don't want it to look like a cookie cutter Mm -hmm. cover letter. So I look for personality in cover Mm -hmm. letters Mm -hmm. when I read them. And yeah, I think that's kind of what she saw in my cover letter. So I think she kind of hired me for, I think I'm talented. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think at the time my portfolio was fine, but I think she also kind of hired me on personality, hmm. which was interesting. Mm-hmm. But the other, I think the other biggest opportunity I've had was my, my current job. Mm-hmm. So I'm leading a team of people at my last job, you know, I was responsible for, design agencies Mm -hmm. and freelancers and stuff and that's really different than having I think a team Mm in-house because you know you're working with with companies essentially and so the the interaction management styles yeah like I'm their client Mm -hmm. versus my team in-house we're we're a team Mm -hmm. and so the I guess the interaction is a lot different so this has been a great opportunity for me. I've, I'm in, enabled, I guess, to make huge design decisions, and I'm essentially responsible for a brand. I mean, my boss is ultimately responsible for the brand, but I have a lot of say, mm-hmm. and I've made a lot of changes, and I just think it's been, yeah, really exciting. And then also, I just want to say that I think it's really important that, especially as a designer, like I've heard from from reading design books or reading design blogs, you don't want to stay working for the same brand longer than three years a Mm. lot of the time because you can get stagnant Mm -hmm. or feel bored and, you know, you just need to flex your design muscles. And I think in my experience working at the same place for six years, like I, I was really fortunate in that here in San Francisco, there's this thing called Taproot and Taproot is a nonprofit organization that works with, companies so usually other nonprofits 
that don't have marketing teams on staff. So I was able to volunteer and make websites, brochures, etc., for um, for nonprofits that need help. Mm-hmm. So I was able to flex my design muscles and play with different brand assets and things like mm-hmm. that, um, brand brand identities when you know at night. Yeah. But that got really exhausting, and now I feel like I'm too old to do that because <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't have the energy when I get home. Because you have a podcast. <laughs> That's a good point. This is like my creative outlet now. But um, So yeah, so, you know, I left, I left the credit union and then, you know, kind of just how the cookies crumbled at the, um, at Mark Monitor, like, you know, it kind of changed over the two years I was there. And then, you know, I was kind of thinking about different opportunities and this opportunity came up Mm -hmm. and I applied for it and, you know, it just kind of worked out Mm -hmm. and I'm really grateful because it's been a really, um, wonderful, but intense learning experience. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would say this has been one of the, like my best opportunities. That's great. Yeah. I'm so sweaty right now. (laughs) Like all over my body. (laughs) It's so gross. I hope that makes the cut. (laughs) It's like Instagram photo reality. on this show, you like to highlight what you call hidden talents, things that are significant to our lives that we might not add to our resumes or aren't necessarily work-related. What would you say your hidden talent is? And is this a setup to promote your podcast as your hidden talent? (laughs) This podcast takes up a lot of time, so... So, you have many hidden talents. I guess I do. So I've, I've talked about it a lot on the show, but I, I like to run, mm-hmm. but ultimately, and we kind of talked about this in the last episode with Melissa Pinion, but I've been lately, actually in the last week, trying to meditate every day mm-hmm. for 10 minutes. And it's weird because it's only 10 minutes, but it's like finding the time to do it is so hard because you're like, oh, I just want to watch Netflix mm-hmm. or something. But I've been forcing myself to do like a 30 minute yoga class on YouTube and then mm-hmm. like a 10 minute meditation, guided meditation afterwards. That's good. And it's made such a difference in just like how I feel mentally. Mm-hmm. So that's been really great. And then I would just say for the last 15 years, I've been really into knitting and crocheting mm-hmm. and that's what I do. It's also very meditative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I usually do that while I'm watching TV or, you know, listening to a podcast. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're wildly creative. Thank you. <laughs> you always have some new project yeah. that you're working on. Oh my god, and lately... And your kombucha. Yeah, <laughs> I've gotten really into kombucha. I'm on... I'm gonna actually probably brew my fifth batch tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I call it Baby Booch. <laughs> it's so cute. Because it's cold here in San Francisco, I have to... Only a mother could love the Baby Booch. <laughs> It's actually really gross looking, but you know, I think it's beautiful, Mm -hmm. but yeah, because it's really cold here in San Francisco, I have to cover it in a towel and -hmm. then sometimes a beanie. So it looks like Yoda just got out of the shower. It's really cute. It's your little friend in your apartment. Yeah. Yeah. 
A lot of people walk by and they're like, what the heck is that? <laughs> I'll take a picture for the podcast. <laughs> okay, that's that's good stuff. Gut so. health. <laughs> Shout out to gut health. Just real quick. So moving on to listener questions. The first one we have is how did you decide to start a podcast? And specifically, why did you start a podcast that focus uh, focuses on careers? So, so I listened to a lot of podcasts and one of the things I noticed about the podcasts that I listen to or that like might be the most popular or whatever, they always interview celebrities mm-hmm. or, you know, really famous book authors or CEOs of really flashy companies and stuff. And to me, like those are always really interesting interviews, but I wanted to hear from people that were a little bit more accessible just Mm -hmm. like everyday people Mm -hmm. and I couldn't really find that so I kind of thought actually and it's like two things so that that's one thing I was thinking about the second was I had a friend come over for dinner her name is Valerie um she works at the credit union and she's really (laughs) fantastic and she came over or no it was actually it was a dinner with her and like three other friends And we were just sitting around and we were actually supposed to watch a movie, but we ended up just kind of talking about our careers and just like things going on in our life. And I had a moment where I was like, wow, I'm surrounded by a lot of really smart, interesting people. Mm -hmm. And I know that I'm in a unique position in that, like, I went to university after high school Mm -hmm. and I met all of these really cool people who I'm still friends with to this day and then here in San Francisco like it's kind of this place I don't know there's just a lot of really interesting people here too not to say there's not interesting people in other parts of the country there are and we've interviewed them for the podcast but I was just like I just wanted to share these stories with people who might be inspired by them because I'm really inspired by Mm -hmm. them and I was also thinking of you know Tatiana at age 18 like I think a podcast Mm -hmm. like this would have been really informative Mm -hmm. for me to listen to and really kind of grasp all the different kinds of career options I might have because Mm my 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 idea of what was possible was really, really limited, I think. Mm, Yeah. And so, you know, when I decided to become a psychology major, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to become a therapist Mm -hmm. because that's probably what you do until like later on in my college years, I was like, oh, I can apply these in many different ways. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I kind of thought that this podcast would be, would have a younger audience. So like, you know, high school or early college. Mm Mm-hmm. But it turns out our audience is actually probably women in their 30s. And my mom and my dad. (laughs) Because they love me and they listen to my podcast. Um, But I think a lot of that has to do with um, kind of what you're saying. If you don't know... I think in the Bay Area, there's a lot of different industries, Mm -hmm. whereas if you live somewhere where maybe there's like two major industries, Mm -hmm. you don't really have exposure to other Mm -hmm. people in those industries. So hearing the differences between their shittiest moment and your shittiest moment or how they're very similar, um, it helps you to learn something new, but also feel some camaraderie with people that seem more attainable. Yeah. And that's exactly why I asked everyone the question like tell us how you got where you are today Mm -hmm. because as an 18 year old you think oh my god if I want to be 
the editor-in-chief of Vogue magazine. Like, I have to be born into, like, a wealthy family. With, mm-hmm. Which, in that case, I mean, I think she was born into a wealthy family. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, there are a lot of jobs out there where, like, I want to be the chief of police or something. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, not all paths are linear, so you don't have to know what you want to do mm-hmm. when you're 18. Mm-hmm. Which is so daunting when you're 18. You're like, shit. Like, what? Yeah. Like, I have to make a decision now and then, but that's not the, that's not the case mm-hmm. at all. So, um, or I think, people in those positions, mm-hmm. it they didn't all take the same trajectory to get yeah. to that point. Mm-hmm. It's all going to be different. Exactly. And also, like it really irks me sometimes when I hear celebrities or whoever really successful people say like they just kind of fell into their careers mm. because I think that's really that doesn't really reflect all of the hard work it takes Mm -hmm. so it kind of makes it seem like it's mostly luck which Mm -hmm. I don't think is the case most of the time I mean it might be for some people but I do think that it takes a lot of hard like I worked really hard to Mm -hmm. get where I am that's a really good point actually I think to me it's more of a a series of instead the the phrase and I sort of fell into it is there were a series of opportunities Mm -hmm. that allowed you to be where you are but you have to be prepared for those opportunities to reap any benefits Mm -hmm. of it yeah so anyway that's why I started the podcast and thank you for working on it with me (laughs) you're so welcome (laughs) Uh, so the next listener question is what are your favorite aspects of marketing or um, design graphic design oh man so I love graphic design because I feel like it's um, a f- like an art form that people use every day. Mm-hmm. So much like maybe cooking or something, like it's something that you need to like function, like you need food to live and mm-hmm. you need, I don't know, you need design to like figure out where you're going like learn about this canyon you're looking at Mm -hmm. or like everything around us is designed. And I think it's just so cool to think about, you know, who is behind the thought process and like what makes design successful. Mm -hmm. So, so I guess building on that a little bit more Mm -hmm. for people that aren't in marketing or Uh aren't in graphic design, what, what are questions or things that are going through your mind when it, is it that you're developing a campaign? Mm-hmm. Is it something like um, an infographic? Is it like, I don't know what the other terms are. Yeah, sure. <laughs> a small yeah. icon? Like sure. what, what are the... <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of different things that I, I guess, think about on a daily basis. So, so I guess from like web design perspective or even like print design, you're always thinking about information hierarchy. Mm-hmm. So how people take in information and what what are they going to read first what catches their eye and how do we design this in a way that makes it digestible for people Mm -hmm. so that's one thing and then there's also like the content marketing aspect so basically content marketing is a type of marketing that obviously it's in the name it uses content content. so (laughs) so that's when you see things like infographics or white papers or um, basically Mm. things that you download that contain information Mm -hmm. so you're just like learning more about a brand a product a service Mm -hmm. whatever so since you are in the financial industry this listener would like to know what is the single most important piece of financial advice you can give someone who wants to retire comfortably So this is actually a piece of advice slash a thing Caitlin, you, 
bully me with <laughs> all the time. So basically, I think it's really important to contribute to your like 401k or 403b or Roth IRA, whatever you have, because of compound interest. Just Google compound interest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I think just saving for retirement, even though it like... So Caitlin is really amazing in that she saves way more than is, you know, advised, required. I don't know. That's not um, true. It's advised. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a little less, uh, I guess, more conservative. Because, like, I, I kind of grapple with this idea that, like, what if I don't... This is depressing. What if I don't live until... I'm, like, 70, and then I've saved all this money, and mm-hmm. then, like, I mean, it'll probably go to my niece, because she's, mm-hmm. like, my favorite person, but, you know, I kind of want to, I don't want to, like, put tons of money away, because I want to enjoy it now, too, mm-hmm. but I'm also now, like, saving for a house, so I'm also saving a lot of money right now that I can't use, which sure. is annoying, but, yeah, I would just say save, mm-hmm. save your money. So the next question also is regarding the financial industry. Do you feel the banking industry allows women to maintain a work-life balance? And if so, how? So I can't really speak for the like for-profit banking industry because I don't work in that. I work in for credit unions, but I would say if you know, in my experience, actually even at like the tech company I worked at before, I had a pretty good work-life balance. Everyone mm-hmm. did there. There were a lot of working parents who had very flexible schedules. Mm-hmm. So I would say like the trend in the Bay Area right now, I think, is to allow people to have flexible schedules. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends on your job function. Like if you're a teller downstairs, you obviously have a shift that you have to cover. Sure. And I don't know what the scheduling is like for something like that, but I know on my team, I try to be pretty flexible. So like, you know, if someone on my team has to pick up their kid at 3.30 and then they're back at 4, like, they just work half an hour longer at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. Mm -hmm. So I would say, like, credit unions are pretty family-friendly, at least mine is, Mm -hmm. if that's what we're talking about, like, work-life balance. I mean, I don't have kids, but I like to have a good work-life balance, too, Mm -hmm. just for, like, mental health reasons Mm -hmm. and just to, like, see my friends and, Mm -hmm. like, go visit my family. So, yeah, I would say the credit unions do. Credit unions, okay. Mm -hmm. So the next question is obviously from someone that knows you. Uh-huh. <laughs> so this individual was talking about you you boldly moving to San Francisco and not having a job like that. Oh, yeah. That. I forgot about that. <laughs> um, and uh, they ask, how are you so confident in your decision? <laughs> and what was your vision for your future? And how did you bring that to life? Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. So in 2009, I... Two of my best friends lived in San Francisco. A lot of my... So I have a lot of best friends. But some of them still live in Southern California. <laughs> Quick, rake them all. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me. I love you all. Um, but anyway, so two of my best friends lived up here. And I came up to visit them a lot. And yeah, I just really loved it here. I loved the people. I loved how progressive it was. I loved that I didn't need to have a car. I haven't had a car in like 10 years. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you need a friend with a car. Yeah, that's, that's Caitlin. <laughs> Take me to Costco, Caitlin. Um, so, 
So basically, it kind of like came together. I had mentioned it a couple of times to my mom that I wanted to move to San Francisco. So I, I grew up in Victorville, which is in San Bernardino County. And um, I, at the time, I was living in Huntington Beach. And I a couple times, I had mentioned to my parents, like, I really like San Francisco. I think it's great. I might want to move there. And I'll never forget my mom telling me that she was like, the umbilical cord doesn't stretch that far. Oh. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. So I like stuck around. Oh. Um, I got my other job in like, um, I was like, working in your Belinda at the time where I met this listener who asked this question. Mm. And, um, and then finally I brought it up again to my parents it was around Christmas time, I think, and I was like, you guys, I really, I think I need to move to San Francisco because the graphic design scene in Orange County at the time, it was just like all action sports companies, mm-hmm. and that grosses me out, so <laughs> so I can't work for action sports company. Like, I really like skate companies. I think they're really cool, but I'm not an illustrator, so I'm not going to like design a t-shirt. That's what they were looking for. Um, but I worked, wanted to work for a technology company or something, like mm-hmm. something more innovative. And I was in the web design space. So, um, yeah, I brought it up to them and they were like, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. If you're like financially responsible enough to do that, mm-hmm. you should do it. And I was like, oh my God. So it was like set in motion. I remember I made the decision in December and then April I moved home uh, to my parents' house and I lived there for five months and then September uh, I think that's like five, yeah, five months. And then September 19th, 2009, wow. my dad and I drove up here in a budget truck, wow. like a budget U-Haul truck or whatever. <laughs> yeah, so I moved up here. I think I only had like $3,000 saved. Mm-hmm. And my friend Marissa and I rented an apartment in Noe Valley. And I basically, budget-wise, only had about like a month and a half, like including my rent, mm-hmm. only like a month and a half worth of expenses. I think that's good to provide context for yeah. how much 3000 will yeah. get you in San Francisco. So, yeah. <laughs> Maybe like two months yeah. for my share of the or rent. Or at least 2009 at that time. Basically, my plan was I was giving myself two months to find a job during mm-hmm. the recession, uh, which luckily here in San Francisco, San Francisco wasn't hit as hard during mm-hmm. the recession as San Bernardino County and like mm-hmm. Southern California was. Mm-hmm. As you probably remember from Melissa's episode, last episode, episode 24, she talks about that a little bit. But yeah, so I had two months to find a job. My backup plan was to work at Starbucks because I worked at Starbucks in college. Um, And my friend Jenna was living here and I knew I could get a job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I did it. And I found a job actually in one month. Wow. Yeah. And it was with the credit union. Wow. So, and it was a graphic design job. Like... I was a little bit nervous that I wasn't going to find something in design because it's a lot more competitive here. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have, at that time, I probably had about a year and a half's worth of experience. Wow. Like professional experience. So wow. I was really nervous that no one was going to take me. But luckily. That is a bold move to move yeah. and have that experience and get a job mm-hmm. in a month. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, but I interviewed on a lot of places. I'm still a little bit bitter about some of the places not hiring me, but one of the places is a museum that I still to this day have not visited, <laughs> even though I love museums. So, okay. Talk about that later. <laughs> Talk about how you hold grudges. <laughs> <laughs> so I know. I need to meditate on that. Now. 
So the last question is, if you weren't an AVP of marketing, what other types of work would you be interested in? I'm so excited to talk about this. (laughs) So as Caitlin probably knows, and people who are really close to me know, I am fascinated by the world of private investigation, detective work, FBI work. So last year, I went to D.C. for the first time, and I went to the International Spy Museum. And when I was there, there was a group of Girl Scouts doing a scavenger (laughs) hunt throughout the museum, and I kept finding their clues. (laughs) And I wanted to join them so bad. But it was like one of those things where I was like... There's nothing better than feeling superior to a Girl Scout. (laughs) You are so... I was just like, these girls are so lucky. Because, like, if, like, as a 10-year-old, the thought of being a spy or something was not on my radar Mm. as, like, something I could do as a job. Mm -hmm. So, or even, like, I mean, I've never really wanted to be a cop or anything. I would just want to, like, I don't know, like, leapfrog into a detective Mm -hmm. position. I wouldn't want to do, like... You'd want to kind of fall into it. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm just obsessed with TV shows like Mindhunter or True Detective, and I just think that world is really fascinating. It seems super scary, of course, mm-hmm. and, like, really hard work, mm-hmm. but, yeah, I don't know. I always, I kind of, like, daydream sometimes that I would be a pretty good spy because people tell me things, and I'm really friendly looking, and so... I just need to work on, like, my self-defense, like Krav Maga or something, mm-hmm. so I could protect or myself. Or just run really fast. There you go. Get faster. I am trained. Yeah. <laughs> I just need to, like, yeah. Was it you that told me mile. that you can tell who a spy is based on how they park their car? Oh, yeah. <laughs> tell the people. <laughs> if someone is backing into a space, it's because they need to exit quickly, so they might be a spy. Good to know. Good yep. tips. I told my dad that. And my dad actually always backs into parking spaces. Oh. But I don't think he's a spy. I guess we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, <I> know. <laughs> so, I'm on to you, dad. <laughs> if there's any spies out there, Tatiana would love to interview yeah. you. <laughs> a lifelong dream. Oh my god. Uh, so the last question I know you, you like to ask your guests is what they're looking forward to this week. And it just so happens I like to ask my guests the same question. Oh, <laughs> look at you. <laughs> Twinsies. Um, what's going on this week? Well, I guess the biggest thing is the election mm. is happening this week, which Melissa talked about in the previous episode. So this is going to come out later than that. But basically I joined this women and like non-binary people only uh workspace and social club called the wing in san francisco and um yeah if you live here and you do work that helps um like support women in any way i highly encourage you to apply unfortunately you have to pay for it too Mm -hmm. but um it's just a really wonderful space and this week so they hold a bunch of events every week and this week they're holding a midterm election viewing party oh, i guess so they're mm-hmm. going to show cnn and we're going to just drink free wine so mm-hmm. that's going to be fun so 
That's will help great. us cope with I was gonna say, whatever the results are. How much wine are. you drink will depend yeah. on the results. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So that's what I'm looking forward to. That sounds really fun. So do you have anything you would like to plug? Any resources aside from the obvious podcast plugs? <laughs> I haven't thought about this at all. Let me see. Any spy networks oh my that God. you want to plug? Okay, so there's a book that I'm like halfway through. Not even halfway through. I'm like a <laughs> tenth of the way through. Oh but it's called I Spy, How to Be Your Own Private Investigator by Daniel Ribikoff. And it's pretty fun and it goes... Ooh, it has a... Um, uh, endorsement by Tori Spelling. <laughs> Who knew? And Tracy Morgan. Wow. So there you go. But basically, it talks about how to, just as an everyday person, uh, use the tools available to you to be a private investigator. So. <laughs> but maybe not necessarily resources, but I just do want to shout out two podcasts that I've listened to lately that or recently that were amazing. So there's the usual ones that everyone loves, like 99% Invisible and Criminal. Those are my two favorite podcasts. But lately there are two that I got really into thanks to my friend Jessica who was on the podcast. So the first one is called The Dream and it's about um, MLM and direct marketing companies. Oh, it's cool. super fascinating. And I think it's a really fair portrayal of, um, especially I think in the second or third episode, they talk about how they mostly focus on women mm-hmm. as, you know, distributors or whatever. And yeah, so that's been really fascinating. And then the other one that I really loved is called Uncover escaping nexium which is spelled n-x-i-v-m mm-hmm. so nexium was that creepy cult that came into the news in the last year so basically this this series i think it's only like six episodes mm-hmm. seven episodes so it goes over what the cult was mm-hmm. and this it follows um this one girl and she just kind of tells her story and tells her experience being in that cult mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. It's I know really you, well done. I know you love a good cult, so... I do. I do. Yeah. Caitlin and I were obsessed with Wild Wild Country. And we talked about how we thought... Um, what was her name? Sheila? Yeah. Was both scary, but also a badass. Yeah. She was great. Yeah. And scary. Yes. Yeah. You can be both. So, anyway. That's great. Well... We're done! <laughs> Tatiana, thank you so much for being on your show and allowing me to be a guest host. Oh, thank you so much, Caitlin. You did a great job. I hope I did okay. (laughs) Oh my god. To learn more about Tatiana's work and other topics we've covered on this episode, head over to our website, brilliantbabespodcast.com, where you can also listen to previous episodes, check out our event calendar, and get the recipes for the dishes we make for each episode. Today's recipe was vegetarian butternut squash chili. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and stay tuned for episodes every other Tuesday. Take care, everyone.